Welcome to another episode of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, where we have real, honest, smart, and sometimes even hilarious conversations about co-parenting, separation, and divorce, and all that goes along with that. I'm Kate Anthony, your Divorce Survival Guide, Certified Life and Relationship Coach, and Happily Divorced Mom, who helps women decide if they should stay in or leave their marriages, and then guides them through the process one step at a time. Hey everyone, I just got back from the very first vacation I have taken all year. My son is at sleepaway camp, so my mom and I drove up the California coast from L.A., where we live, to our first stop in Paso Robles, which, for those of you who don't know, it's the wine region of the Central Valley of California. Now, my mom has never been wine tasting before, so this was a super fun trip, since she literally drinks the cheapest nastiest wine. (laughs) She buys this shit from Trader Joe's that's really like, it's like one mini step up from two buck chuck. Like it's the kind of wine that if you leave it overnight, it's basically vinegar. And she will finish that bottle the day after and the day after. So here she is and she's tasting really good wine. And suddenly she's like, oh. (laughs) And now my mom is the member of a wine club. And she came home with a case of really good wine to start her off. And I think I'm finally getting somewhere with her. So anyway, uh, we drove up after Paso Robles. We drove up the Pacific Coast Highway. We went through Big Sur, which is just so beautiful. Uh, And then we drove all the way up to a friend's house in Novato, which is in Marin County, just north of San Francisco. And we stayed there for three nights. We went for epic hikes. We drank more good wine because my mom's friend, uh, he was like an early investor in some vineyards. And anyway, he's got really good wine. And um, we stayed with, so this is a friend of my mom's from college, one of her oldest friends from college. They've known each other for 60 years. And uh, we just had a great time reconnecting with him. And then we drove back down to LA yesterday. So it was a lovely trip. I am happy that I got to take a full week off and just be with my mom and be in nature and be with my mom's friend Ashok, who so graciously hosted us for a few days in Novato. And today I'm getting a new bed. So (laughs) one of the few things that I took from our house when I got divorced was our bedroom furniture including the super expensive split queen adjustable Tempur-Pedic bed that we bought because of my chronic back pain, which miraculously cleared up as soon as I left my husband, by the way, but that's a whole other story. So I, I took this bed and I've always had a thing about the fact that my merit, that I have my marital bed in divorce. Like I felt like karmically it was working against me and the split queen thing bothered me because it felt like an energetic barrier to the unity and partnership that I really want in my life. Like this bed is literally two twin beds put together and each of it has its own remote and they raise up or lay flat like It's this adjustable thing, right? So when you want to read in bed, you raise up the head, like those Craftmatic adjustable bed commercials from the 70s and 80s. Okay, but this is a Tempur-Pedic, and it's crazy comfortable and super high-end and super expensive, right? So again, I got this when I was still married. So a few weeks ago, so I remember I got divorced 10 years ago. So a few weeks ago, I go to wash the mattress covers because one of my dogs actually peed on the bed. Don't even 
ask. Don't get me started. So whatever, I go and I take off the mattress cover and I discover that one of the two mattresses is literally fucking disintegrating. It was so disgusting, like a horror movie mattress. And I've been sleeping on it. So it's like, it's foam, it's Tempur-Pedic, so it's foam. And the foam was disintegrating. It was so disgusting. So I totally start to panic. There is no way I can afford to replace this. What the fuck was I gonna do? So something in me wonders if it might perhaps still be under warranty. This is, remember, a super expensive bed. So maybe they give good warranty. So I call Tempur-Pedic and I explain the whole thing and they tell me that it's still under warranty. I just need the original purchase receipt. And I'm like, you think I have a receipt of a bed that I bought over 10 years ago before I got divorced and moved house? Are you kidding me? So then this woman says, well, you know, maybe we have it on file. And she goes to work like a detective to see if she can find it. And she does. And, but then she explains that my ex will have to file the entire claim because he was the original purchaser. And she's like, uh, I don't know if that's gonna work, you know? And I'm like, you know what? My ex has my back. I'm sure he's gonna do this. So I call my ex and he's like, of course. He spends hours filling this claim for me. He goes back and forth with them by email and phone. He's calling me, he's texting me. We're getting all the information we need to make this happen. Like I need this label, photograph this. What does it say there? Can you read the numbers here? This man busted his ass for me. And eventually I got approved for a full replacement. But because they don't manufacture split queens anymore, there's only one mattress set that I can get. And they tell me to go to any store that sells them to try them out just to make sure because you don't get the 90 day like tryout time when it's a replacement. So, okay, so I go to the store and I fall in love with one that of course doesn't come in Split Queen because basically only one comes in Split Queen, but it's a cloud and I'm in heaven and I literally have to have this bed, except that I have the split queen base. So if I get a full queen mattress, my super cool adjustable thingy won't work anymore. So I'm telling this to the salesman, I'm super sad. And he, this man is literally making zero money off of me. I'm just lying on his beds to see what I like so that the manufacturer can send it to me. And then he tells me that I can sync the remotes of the two bases so they'll adjust as one unit. So if I wanna just get like a full queen mattress, I can. And I do because remember, I don't want the split anymore. I feel like the split is really bad feng shui and really bad energy. So I'm like, wait a minute, I can get a full queen that's like connected and I can get my adjustable base thingies to work together so that I have one bed that also adjusts? Hell yeah. So I call Tempur-Pedic and I'm now pretending my ex and I are still married because the claim is in his name. And I ask if they'll give me this other way nicer, way more amazing, way more expensive mattress. And they tell me that it's actually cheaper than the split queen they were going to send me because those are discontinued and because it's like two mattresses. So actually, yeah, I can totally get this way nicer mattress. So you guys, today they are delivering me a brand new mattress for free. This is like a $3,000 mattress. And 
this is thanks in large part to my ex-husband who totally went to bat for me. So if that is not incentive to working through your shit and maintaining a collaborative relationship with your ex, I don't know what is. I am so excited and I will be reporting back probably on Instagram in the next couple of days about my gorgeous new mattress. Okay, so let's move on to today's episode. Today I'm going to dig a little bit more deeply into some of the most common reasons marriages end and my thoughts on each of them. So many marital issues can be worked through and many of them simply can't. If you have two people who want the marriage to work and two people who are really willing to do the work to heal the marriage, it is possible, although not a guarantee that you can make this work. If both parties aren't willing to do the work, you may really be stuck. And this is what I hear so often. I want to work to save my marriage, but my husband really doesn't seem to see the problem. I hear this from men as well, by the way, but mostly from women. So let me just say here that if your spouse is saying that there's a problem, there's a problem. And you should probably listen. Because if you ignore it, you are missing huge red flags. And the next step is likely that you're going to be served divorce papers. So if you're the one who keeps saying that there's a problem, I encourage you to be really direct and clear that you're very serious. And if your spouse doesn't take you seriously, you probably have a huge decision to make. Because it really does take two. It takes two to figure this out and to work on a marriage. And even if you're both committed to trying to work things out, too much water may have gone under your marital bridge to be able to continue on with the marriage. It just because two of you want it to work doesn't mean that it will. Uh, but if two of you aren't willing to work, it is a guarantee that it won't. So here are some of my thoughts on the most common reasons people leave. So number one, infidelity. As you probably know, I believe that affairs generally don't occur in vacuums. If you've been unfaithful, you know it's because there was something missing in your marriage that you sought from outside of it. That's likely true if your spouse has been unfaithful as well. That doesn't mean that it's your fault, his fault, whatever, right? It means that there's something to look at besides the act of infidelity. And once you've identified and clearly communicated what these issues might be, you might have a roadmap for healing. I'd focus more on what the underlying issues are rather than shining a light on the infidelity itself. Uh, as I talked about in an earlier episode, if you've cheated and you feel the need to come clean, consider that the only thing you'll highlight is the cheating itself rather than the underlying issue that brought you to that point. So I advise keeping it to yourself. Bear the burden of guilt on your own and then address what caused the infidelity in the first place. Maybe you felt invisible or unimportant in your marriage and the other person really saw you. Address feeling invisible. Talk to your spouse about what it would take for you to feel seen and important in your marriage. If you really want to save the marriage, admitting to the infidelity may have the opposite effect. If you're truly done with the indiscretion, keep it to yourself and address what caused it. Okay, addiction. Whether it's drugs, alcohol, pornography, gambling, shopping, you name it, addiction is a serious beast and the cause of the end of a lot of marriages. There are also numerous resources available for those who do want to seek help. If you or your spouse are willing to get help for your or their addiction, there is hope for the marriage. Unfortunately, if the addiction is primary and the addict is unwilling to seek help 
everything else around it might crumble. If someone you love is struggling with addiction, I strongly recommend checking out an Al-Anon meeting in your area, and I've linked those in the show notes. Al-Anon is a 12-step program specifically designed for friends and families of alcoholics, but if your loved one suffers from any other kind of addiction, Al-Anon is a fantastic program to get yourself some help and much-needed support. It's really important to understand that you cannot get someone else sober or clean. No matter how many threats you make, an addict will only get the help they need if they seek it themselves. And if you're an addict and you feel that you've hit your bottom, there are numerous resources available, 12-step and otherwise. I personally recommend 12-step work because I've seen it work in so many people that I love, but it's not the only resource available. If an addict is dedicated to getting help, there is help from your marriage, as long as each of you is doing their own individual work to deal with their own issues surrounding the addiction. If your loved one is an addict, you likely have your own path that led you to marrying them in the first place. So your work will be in uncovering those patterns of behavior that led you here. That is separate from the work the addict needs to do to heal, and the best, and dare I say only way this works, is if each of you does your own work. So another reason people leave is lack of support. So when we get racked up in our own worlds, when kids and jobs start to be put in front of marital connection, we can feel alone and isolated in our marriages. Often we're told that our kids have to come first, but the truth is that the foundation of happy and secure kids is a happy and secure marriage. And the foundation, that's not to mean that if we get divorced, our kids are not going to be happy and secure, by the way. Um, But the foundation of a happy marriage is two individuals who have done their own work to come together as fully formed beings. So your order of operation should be you first, marriage second, kids last. I know, totally fucking counterintuitive. (laughs) Now, that being said, women feeling a lack of support in the household is common in our culture, and our feelings have actually been backed up by science, so it requires a lot of healthy communication to ask directly for the support and the help that you need. Uh, I've linked a blog post about this in the show notes, and here's the deal. If you ask for what you need directly and your husband simply refuses to support you and doesn't give you the respect you deserve, this might be a good reason to end your marriage. And similarly for them, if he is asking you to see him, to support him uh, in certain ways and you're not willing to meet him halfway, uh, it also might be a good reason to end your marriage. Might could re- be good reason for him, but it might be a reason for you to ask yourself why you're unwilling to support him, right? You guys both have to meet somewhere in the middle. All right, another issue, common issue, obviously, is communication. I have a very strong stance on communication. First of all, I don't believe you're entitled to anything you can't directly ask for. Secondly, I believe we are all wholly responsible for how our communication lands. There's a popular saying that the meaning of any piece of communication is the response that you get which means that if you get a response that doesn't align with your intention, it's your job as the communicator to shift your communication in a manner that is received by the person you're communicating with. Are you following me? So it's just like when you're speaking with your children. You might get on your knees and speak slowly, right? Similarly, it's our responsibility to encode our communication with our spouse in a way that they can best receive whatever it is that we want to communicate. 
So for example, screaming and nagging as soon as they walk in the door isn't an effective way to communicate that you want help with the dishes, right? You may need to wait for a while, let him settle down, right? You know your husband, you know how he needs to be communicated with. So that being said, it's also the job of our spouse to hear the intent behind our communication and work to meet us halfway. If we're each fully responsible for our own communication, that's actually speaking and listening, we might get somewhere. If, however, your spouse or you are unwilling to work together on shifting the communication methods, you might be stuck. Let's move on to money problems. So unless the issue is overspending or gambling, the real issues around money are about the stress that accompanies money problems. So if the issues are overspending or gambling, gambling is an addiction, Um, overspending is probably an addiction, so that sort of goes back into the addiction category. But um, for anything else, it's really the stress that, that goes along with it. We live in a society in which few people actually make enough to live comfortably within their means. We have student loan uh, or credit card debt that piles up. Uh, The cost of living far exceeds um, certainly the minimum wage in our country, right? Um, We're crumbling under the stress of money. Uh, And this is a systemic issue. This isn't your fault, his fault. This is systemic. This is a huge problem in our country right now. But how we manage that stress is the real issue. If you have a lot of credit card debt, consider stopping the use of all credit cards immediately and work to reduce your monthly expenditures to what you can truly afford. And I know that's easier said than done. Um, and I will drop some uh, resources around this in the show notes because, you know, it's it's too much of an issue to be able to get into all of it right here and right now. But um, if you're a stay-at-home mom and you feel a lack of power or clarity around your household finances, I urge you to get involved now. Being disempowered around the household finances can be really harmful. Uh, I know more than one stay-at-home mom who didn't look at the household finances only to find out later that their husbands had been spending tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars on mistresses and failed investments. So whatever you do, start looking at your finances now. I know that money can be super scary, so commit to just 10 minutes a day to get clarity. Sit with your spouse, try to create a plan to solve money stress together. Now, if your spouse doesn't want to join you on this, if he's secretive, if he's holding stuff back from you, uh, you can try to do it on your own, and you should, but it's not a great sign uh, if there is any secrecy or withholding uh, on the financial aspect. All right, lack of individual identity. If your lack of individual identity comes from having been a mom for the last however many years, welcome to the club. As I said earlier, the foundation of a happy marriage is two individuals who have done their own work to come together as fully formed beings. If you've begun to feel isolated and cut off from the world, it's time to start shifting that. It's really common, uh, especially for women, especially if we stay home, 
that we really start to lose ourselves. And here's the deal. It's not, you're not going to be the same person that you were before. So it's not about reclaiming. It's really often about reforming. So take a class, join a networking group, join a book club, re-engage with the hobbies you had before motherhood, try new hobbies, join a gym, go back to work, hire a life coach. Hello. (laughs) If you're feeling the stress of having lost yourself, if you remember this person that you once were, it's time to start shifting back now. It's not easy, but it is possible. And this is one of the top things I work with women on uh, and have had huge success with. Up next, unrealistic expectations. This is a huge one. We live in a society that has created unreasonable expectations of our spouses. When we lived in tribes and raised children together, when men went out to hunt and we stayed home to raise children, tan hides, grind corn, when women came together in ceremonies like the red tent, where women gathered in ceremony around our menstrual cycles, our needs were met by a multitude, an entire tribe in fact. But now that we live in single family homes, we put all of these expectations on a single person and often a person who is biologically incapable of giving us exactly what we need. So in times of stress, women release oxytocin, the bonding hormone, which is why we feel our girlfriends get us when we're stressed. By contrast, men release testosterone, which is why they get more aggressive and go into fix-it mode in times of stress, which drives us crazy. So this highlights why women are so compelled to turn to other women in times of trouble and often see their husbands as little or no comfort. It also highlights women's feelings that men just don't understand them or aren't there for them when they need them or why men sometimes look at us like we're aliens with three heads when we tell them we don't want them to solve our problems. We just need them to listen to us. So (laughs) biologically speaking, we're wired radically differently. Add to all of this that we've been conditioned to expect a particular kind of romantic love that lasts for all time by the fairy tales we grew up on and the romantic movies we watch today. I'm looking at you, Nicholas Sparks. So despite our feminism and our badassery, we're still suckers for a good rom-com. But by isolating ourselves in nuclear families, by destroying our tribal communities, and by buying into a notion of a romantic love that really doesn't last for all eternity, we've set our relationships up to fail. We've put all of our emotional eggs into one human basket, and we've expected it to be all things to us. This is destroying our ability to be happy and to stay married. So how do we shift this? Well, so I asked a lot of people who've been married a long ass time about this. And the overwhelming consensus is that the healthiest marriages balance the need for togetherness, common interests, and true enjoyment of each other with the understanding that each partner will need to get certain and appropriate needs met from outside the marriage. So it's really about that balance. The people that I spoke with all said that a lot of women say, I don't expect my husband to meet my emotional needs. That's what my girlfriends are for. Uh, And a lot of the men said the same thing. Okay, so that is a lot to think about. If you're struggling to decide whether to stay or go, just know that you're not alone. I hear from women just like you every single day. And despite all the information gathering and the pros and cons lists, at the end of the day, what I find is that most women actually know exactly what they need to do. They're just afraid to pull the trigger. 
They're concerned with what comes next. They're scared they're making the wrong decision. They don't trust themselves. And often they don't trust themselves because they've been told for years that their feelings are invalid. So let me say this to you directly and clearly right now. Your feelings are not invalid. They're simply not. Many women also want to know if the grass is really greener on the other side. And I will answer that more fully in another episode. But here's what I can say now. If you are miserable in your marriage, if you've done the work on yourself and dealt with your own shit, then yes. Yes, the grass is definitely greener. If you are miserable now, there is hope and happiness on the other side. At the end of the day, there are good reasons to stay in a marriage and there are good reasons to leave. And sometimes it's really hard to figure out which is which. And that's the work that I do with my private clients. So if you're stuck and confused still, please hop over to my website and set up a consult so that we can work through this together. I know it's not easy, but it is possible to get clarity and peace of mind. Uh, There's a link to book a consult in the show notes as well. So check in there or on my website. All right, that's it for today. I hope you have a great final stretch of summer. And if your kids are already back in school, congrats. Mine still has another two weeks, I think. <laughs> he doesn't go back to after Labor Day, uh, which is how I remember it. Man, this whole going back in the beginning of August thing is really tripping me out. Um, all right, that's it. And have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. You can find me over at kateanthony.com and be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes so you don't miss an episode. See you next time.